Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. And this is episode 99. Wow. Thank you for joining us. Today we've got a really great interview lined up with Graham Shivas of Playfair Finance. We're going to talk all things commercial finance. But specifically, we're going to go into a deal where somebody has recently refinanced a CMO deal. And hopefully you're going to get loads of great value from that. So any of you that are listening to this during Christmas and New Year, I hope you had a great Christmas and I wish you a great New Year for 2022. Hopefully it's going to be the best year yet for you and for I. So without a further ado, let's dive straight into this interview. Welcome, Graham. Thank you for joining us on the Commercial Property Investor podcast. This week, Graham from Playfair Finance is joining us to discuss commercial finance and in particular, exit finance options. We're going to discuss where the market is generally, um, Graham, what you're up to, and whether you can actually get your hands, or anyone can get their hands on funding right now, of course. But in particular, I'm asked a lot about finance around the actual purchasing of properties, of course, but what about the exit? Because a lot of residential investors who are used to recycling their money out of a deal as quickly as possible look at commercial property through the same prism trying to work out how do i how do i do a deal and how can i get out of it at the other end and it's not as easy with commercial is it and as ltv values are typically a bit less um it can be challenging however that is balanced of course against the fact that it's significantly better cash flow with commercial so graham i'm really looking forward to this discussion we'll talk generally about the, the commercial finance market what you've been up to and then we'll go more into that because we, we've both been involved in a deal, haven't we, where somebody's gone through that process and exist, exited, yes. or at least finance exited out of yes. the CMO deal. So that we'll get into that detail later on. But, Graham, just for the starters, for the audience, can you just maybe give us a wee bit of your background, uh, some of the things you're doing now, but also how on earth you got to this place? <laughs> okay. Thanks, Jerry. Um, yeah, okay. Well, well, I guess my, my kind of... <sighs> The, the thing that's most related to finance in terms of my background is that I'm an accountant. I became an accountant back in the back in the eighties, um, and uh, got to a point where I had been in uh, audit, and it was all kind of past history stuff. So just calculating your profit and working out what your tax bill was, which wasn't for me really. So I needed to be involved a little bit more on a, a kind of day to day basis. So I, I moved across into industry, um, and got to the point where I was a finance director at 27 well, and thought, okay, well, where, where do I go from here? <laughs> um, I, just, I can obviously ad- advance or, or, or become a better person and, and advance my own mindset and what have you. But, but yeah, I'd, I'd kind of reached where I'd aimed for at quite a young age. But um, 
so from there, I guess the next step for me was to to move into a business, a business of my own. So I had a um, a chap who was in the same business as me, who was the finance, uh, the my, um, sales director, sorry, um, where I was the finance director, and um, I guess he was quite a good salesman because he convinced me to go into business with him. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we ended good up skill to have. <laughs> yeah, so we so we ended up in business um, in the hospitality trade actually. Um, it, it was a, it was the early two thousands, and we were just about coming into Starbucks and Costa territory, yep. and we were trying to sell espresso machines to the hospitality trade. And most people thought, "Why do I want one of them?" Yeah, I've got a kettle. <laughs> yeah, so so, so, uh, so yeah, so so we kind of got to a point there where um, we needed to to kind of change a little bit in terms of what we did. So we had an ongoing income stream. So. So I, I kind of got involved in in raising finance. So we had an invoice finance facility for that, uh, for working capital moving forward. Um, but when we started the business, that was back in the days when you could actually get an overdraft and um, an unsecured business loan using an enterprise finance guarantee scheme, actually, wow. which uh, yeah. which then morphed into coronavirus. But but uh, so yeah, so we we had that business, and I had that for eighteen years, and uh, probably should have sold it many years before, but eventually sold it in twenty eighteen. Um, and uh, went back to my accounting roots um, to to help other small businesses, more medium sized businesses, to to improve the information that they were getting on a day to day basis to make financial decisions. But what I did find while I was doing that is that most businesses doesn't matter what the size, um, their financial information isn't particularly great, and they don't know how to use that financial information to raise money because they don't know what a lender is looking for. So that got me into um, seeking out um, a commercial finance broker um, franchise, I would call it. It's not really a franchise, but but it's it's a, I became a part of a network where I had immediate access to lots of experience, lots of lenders um, in various kind of business property, property development, spaces um which enabled me then to actually go out and, and use my skills i guess as, as an accountant to read the numbers that uh, a business has and find a way of coming up with a solution for them um, for the for the need um, but what i do find is there's a lot of businesses that come to me who don't really differentiate between equity investment um, and debt um, and for most brokerages I think they would stop at debt. If it wasn't a debt deal, then they wouldn't do it. But for myself, coming from a different background, not a financial services background, where a lot of brokers come from, they've been at the bank and they kind of leave and go and do it off themselves. Whereas I've come from come at it from a from a business perspective rather than a, a financial services perspective. So I look at it in terms of a business requires money. It doesn't matter if it's equity or debt. Let's try and find a way of, of yeah. coming up with the equity solution for them. Um, so. Uh, the equity side of things is a relatively difficult space, but it's um, it's a case really of finding a, a, a network or generating a network of, of individuals prepared to invest in equity deals and then obviously having the deal flow. But what seems to have happened is I seem to have more deal flow uh, than equity investors at the moment. So <laughs> if there's any equity investors out there, I'm quite happy to listen to, to, to them and see if there's anything we can do. But um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I 
where I've come at it from and, and how I approach it. So, so it's really, it's allowed you to have a more holistic approach for starters, not yes. just about um, somebody saying to you, right, I want 5 million quid or whatever it is for a development, say, can you go and find it? It's actually about <clears throat> helping them prepare for that yes. to then go out to market through more than just the High Street Bank, obviously, and yeah. creative finance, but also through peer-to-peer and equity-based debt or equity-based finance raising. So it's much more holistic, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in terms of the the, the lending side of things, I guess I, I, we, we split it into tiers, really, three tiers. And the tiers are really split by rate rather than whether they're high street or off high street. Okay. Um, so a tier one lender doesn't have to be a high street bank. You'll get a, you'll get a tier one lender that's a specialist lender. Um, generally they'll they'll maybe have a, a, a higher minimum loan value yeah. um which will allow them to to do a, a better rate because the volume is the higher. Volume, yeah. Yeah. um but uh, you know and in that space you you're kind of as say high streets non a high street you're kind of three to five percent somewhere around there at the moment and what's um, typically that loan value then Graham to get that um, loan to value discount no, not loan to value no just in terms of you're saying the loan there is maybe a bit more substantial just for the yeah. listeners just so they know is okay. it twenty thousand pounds or is it you know no i mean if, you, if you're if you're at high street generally the kind of consumer credit act most commercial loans are 25 grand or more yeah otherwise it falls under consumer credit so um so yeah if you're high street 25 grand is probably your minimum if you're a specialist lender uh 200 grand yeah, probably. If you want to really, to get rate, that, maybe that, looking about half that, a million. Yeah, to get that better rate, yeah, maybe half a million is where yeah. it starts. Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so and then then we've got the tier, let's say tier two lenders. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more um, entrepreneurial, I guess. They're, they're a bit more pragmatic okay. yeah. <laughs> in terms of how they look at a deal and <laughs> and what what they can finance and what they can't finance. That's all we ask for. Yeah, yeah, pragmatism's a great pragmatism, thing. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. But so, uh, and you can talk to them, which is always good. Whereas with yes. a, with a high street or a tier one, it tends to be well, this is the decision and that's it kind of deal. So, um, whereas with tier two, it's a little bit more flexible, but you pay a little bit more for that. So you maybe yep. I don't know six to six to eight percent somewhere around there i guess okay obviously these are these are these are i'll, I'll caveat all of this with this is december 2021 yeah. the rates will change but, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and all of these rates are um uh, not including bank of england base rate let's put it that way. Yeah. so the, the base rate obviously has to go on top of that um and then you've got your tier threes and tier three lenders are super quirky um and they will do quite a lot of things. They won't do everything, but they'll do quite a lot of things. But they will um, make sure they get their pound of flesh for doing it. So would these be, um, this is where really some of the, the private family funds, that sort of thing would sit no, in No, these are still, they're still lenders, but, um, okay. but they're lenders that would be, um, I guess, I mean, the highest rate I've ever given or, or arranged for somebody uh, it was actually for a SIP loan, but it was a it was a business loan rather than a trust okay. to a property, um, and that was twelve percent yeah. per annum. So you're kind of at bridging rates at that level. Yes. Yeah. Um, and within, I mean, the deal we're going to talk about later that was a peer to peer. So there are peer to peers, 
actually on funding circle we're a we're a kind of a, a champion if you like in terms of so we can actually okay. offer more in terms of value uh, than other brokerages but but um but yeah i mean peer-to-peer is certainly a, a, a an area that we that we can generate funds from um so. and but the structures tend to be slightly different so you need to be aware of that so you might get a headline rate for the money yeah. Um, but then there's another rate because the platform organizing the money will charge a fee. So yeah. if you if you put the two together, it becomes a slightly higher rate. Yeah, when you actually work out what the full rate is, yeah, whether and particularly yeah. if there's a uh, setup fee or an exit fee and all these sorts of things. And just, and just if you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. in terms of the tier one two three oh. is there does the length of loan period change over those because you mentioned there you know if somebody's up at 12 percent, obviously it's near bridging which tends to have a a, a shorter time frame on it do, do the tier one two three change that do they all tend to have a, a variable sort of loan period no i mean in, in, in terms of investment um lending they're amortized over a, a kind of a similar period, I guess, but, okay. but you would have a loan period that would be, say, five years, yeah. and then they will review it after those five years, and it may then roll on for another five years, or they may look for their, for their money back, depending on how you've operated as a, as a borrower, really, um, okay. and, and whether they're still interested in being in that sector. So it gives them that flexibility, because a lot of the criteria tend to be, at the moment, is more about the sector that you're in yeah um and 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 whether you well currently certainly if you're going high street if you have um any government support loans they're quite nervous about you having those um because there's a bit of debate about whether within the small print of the sea bills in particular they can actually be refinanced yes um, okay and but there are specialist lenders that will, but High Street are being a little bit more cautious about that. Um, but they're also cautious on the basis of, I mean, this is anecdotal. I haven't heard this from a High Street bank. Um, I can't tell you where I've heard it, but I haven't heard it from a High Street <laughs> bank. But um, they're a little bit nervous that the amount of loans that have gone out um, under the government schemes that have been guaranteed if they are a bank who was bailed out in 2008, if those loans go bad, will the government step in mm-hmm. or will mm-hmm. they be left holding it? Uh, and if you think about the amount of lending that's happened in the last 18 <clears throat> months, that's quite a big worry, <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, which is making them very cautious. 
uh, about actually doing doing many deals. So let let let's let's talk more about the general market then right now, and, and a lot of people will think about that as the high street but obviously as we've discussed there's many other options but in general what is the appetite out there on the lending market right now as you say we're in december 2021 um you know the uk is maybe going into partial closure of certain things because of covid again nothing's changed really um but that's what's happening right now so what what is the current kind of appetite out there graham what, what are you seeing I think there is there is appetite certainly in non high street tier one. Mm-hmm. Um, there is appetite certainly in tier two, yeah, um, and and tier three. I think there's pretty much always appetite because there's always money appetite, available yeah. to to do deal. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's there's appetite to do deals. I think the there tends to be. I mean, I had I'm just trying, conscious of your listeners really in terms of the the, the kind of buy to let. Um, people and how they generally would go about funding, yeah. Um, and, and, and it would be a potentially taking money from investors, using that money to go and buy a buy a property with debt, convert it, and and take the money back out and pay back that that yeah. um, that investment that they had. And the commercial market is very different in in terms that you're not to do that. <laughs> it's not something that you're you're, you're meant to be doing. Um, so it, it 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 needs to be proven from own effectively and and the reason i mention that is i've just had a, a very recent example of a, a a bank who who did an interview with a with a prospect um and the prospect was a, a buy to let investor they had a portfolio yeah. um and the, it, they were dipping their toe in the commercial sector yeah. um, and the interview there was a question asked about the deposit um and how you normally go about Funding the buy to let portfolio, yep. and she explained exactly the same as, as you know. I take in money from investors, and I then go and get money into it. And you could see the man's face just <laughs> dropped. It's like, oh, right, okay. You can't. You do appreciate you can't do that within the commercial space. You have to be. You have to prove that this is from own funds. Oh yes, yes, yes. This is definitely from own funds. So, um, so yeah, be aware of that one. Don't don't drop that into a conversation. <laughs> yeah, this, this is this is problem. this is really important, and and people perceive that yeah that the standard operating procedure they've been doing in in residential will immediately be um, applicable to commercial when it isn't, and also as I mentioned earlier on, the loan to values can be slightly different. You may need to leave some money in a deal, but. <clears throat> If you if you finance that deal through private equity or private private finance, sorry, I'm mixing words there, um, and you haven't got any bank debt at the start, then that's a feasible way of doing it. And we're going to go into that, aren't we, in in, in, in this example? But but just in terms of high street and tier one and lending appetite, there's a lot of chat about you know nobody's lending any money from the high street for commercial. But you know, can you remember the last time they were? And it was free flowing, you, you know. It's uh, as though it's a yeah, new yeah. phenomenon, but actually, yeah. it's not been free flowing for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I think it's it's. Uh, there are certain high street banks that will say they have appetite, and when you go to them for a deal, um, they'll come back and say, "Yeah, we can do that," but this is what we can do. And what you'll find is that it's half the amount of money you really wanted. <laughs> yes. Um, the rate's great, 
but it, the, like the loan to value is something like 25%. And it's, it's very much based around affordability. Um, but that affordability is then impacted by the amount of cover that they're asking for in terms of debt service cover. So uh, it, it, it does restrict the amount of money. So you might think, as you say, it's a very different space to, to residential. You know, with, with residential, it's very straightforward. Most what I find certainly talking to people who have been residential investors who come into the commercial space, when you go when you go for residential funding, getting seventy five percent is relatively straightforward. Um, and most of the questions that they're asked generally are about the property and the asset and the the income that will come from that asset. They're not asked very many kind of personal questions about who are they, what do they do, what's their experience. Yeah. Because there's a ready market if it goes wrong. You can sell the property you know, and, and, and recoup your money. So so it doesn't they don't get asked that many questions. Whereas when it comes to commercial, uh, I think people see me as being quite intrusive <laughs> because the <laughs> amount of questions I need to ask that I know I'm going to get asked, Yes, generally because it will come down to the experience of the borrower um, and, and the kind of the standing of the borrower, if you like. Yeah, um, so there's, and that doesn't so necessarily mean money. It, it kind of means kind of how they approach things. So whether they're professional, whether they've got a plan, whether they look like they can actually deliver that plan. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So experience, serviceability, yeah. um, and of course the loan to value. And on the serviceability yeah. bit, what, what are you typically seeing? And, and maybe we should get the terminology correct because I can't quite remember. But the the overage that you need to have. So let's say, for instance, your loan is a thousand pounds a month. How much overage do you need? Is it a hundred? Is it fifteen hundred pounds? What? And, and uh, well, it depends on the lender. Really, I mean, it, it, you, you can be looking at debt service, debt service cover for for like a high street bank. You'd be looking to have two thousand roughly. Yeah, you need to double yeah. it. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're looking at, uh, I mean, some tier ones will get, get you around about the hundred and forty percent. Yeah. So you're looking okay. at fourteen hundred. Um, I, I haven't really seen it below one thirty. In terms yeah. of a debt service okay. cover, and um, that's probably the best you can get. Yeah, and what what I found just anecdotally for myself is that um, so we use high street debt mm-hmm. in the main. We have got private debt as well, but in in the main, high street. Um, but because we've been with them for twenty years, um, they'll do business with us, and we'll, we're just going through a refinance just now. And the numbers that we've just been talking about, it, it, they're substantially less than that. But that's just yeah. because we've been there for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. But I remember back in the early days, I moved my residential portfolio into the bank on commercial rates, which was more expensive, yeah. but it made it gave the bank more of a feeling of what we were about. Mm-hmm. And it started the process. So I think it's important for listeners just to know that Although you might not have access to great rates and stuff right now, and the and the high street, to all intents and purposes, if you're new, may say, "Well, actually, sorry, we're not interested." Mm-hmm. You you need to stick with it and try and get the door open, whether it is through Resi or something, to build up that relationship. Because eventually, long term, when they know and understand you and know your experience and all that sort of stuff, you'll build up a better track record, and you should be able to get funding. But it yeah. does take time, and in the interim, you've just got to be as creative as you can yeah absolutely well i guess it's a similar it's no different to the skill of of using a bridging loan to unlock profit to Mm. then go on to a term 
facility yes. really and and you know that's harder to do in the commercial space it is possible but it's harder to do um but as you say it's, it's getting that door open so because it's always that chicken and egg of okay you're looking for experience but how do i get the experience if you don't yeah. then give me the money to go and get right. that experience yeah so <laughs> so it's it's uh so you have to fight as you say you have to be creative find ways yeah. of, of getting on that ladder really but no doesn't mean no it just means try again yeah. right Absolutely. Absolutely. so just one last bit before we jump into this um example if somebody comes across vacant space right now mm-hmm. okay um it's uh let, let's just be simplistic and say it's a retail unit it may be industrial but it's vacant space is it possible to get funding or are you just wasting your time depends on the sector is what i would okay. say yeah um i have one at the at the moment which is office space that seems yep. to be a, a possible area to get funding. Okay. um it's not immediate term debt it needs to be a bridge or a bridge okay. to term yeah. Uh, in order to get there or invest in finance to, to actually buy it. Um, and that's in order to get that experience. So the bridge will allow you to get the experience to then refinance it at the point where you've then got income generated from the asset. Yes. Um, I have a similar one where it's leisure. Uh, and leisure is no. <laughs> Um, pretty much, and most of the people I've asked about the leisure one, it's it's a non-starter. Um, but again, I mean, coming going back again to um, the holistic approach, I guess um, this is a group of companies. Leisure is part of what they do, um, so we've gone back to their whole portfolio with a view to identifying if there's cash that can be released from there in order to go and buy that leisure asset. Um, yeah, rather okay. than having to find different cash, so so there are different ways. But if you're sitting and and, and trying to to get into the, the the space, I would say retail and leisure at the moment are the two areas where it's it's probably it's not tricky. Fly. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So let let's get into that specific case we're talking about. So we've both been involved in one way or another with a deal um, with a chap that's been getting into CMO, him buying a building that was vacant. And then working through the process of developing, filling, and then trying to exit um, the private finance at the other end. And I just, I really wanted to talk about this one. I'm going to keep everything anonymous, of course, but I wanted to talk about this one because people do often ask me, right, well, if I get it, if I do start doing CMO, I can raise finance. They've got that um, residential background we're just talking about where they're right okay i'm going to borrow the money and then i need to get it all back out again how do i do this how do i refinance blah 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 and of course for them i'll go to um you know shawbrook or some some of the the lenders that i normally do for buy to let but that's not necessarily the route and on this particular one um the route was found through yourself and i just wanted to maybe for you maybe just to talk through that i just thought it was quite interesting this case and that you've used a different type of debt so maybe graham you could just talk through that yeah i mean it was it was a very when it was presented to me i thought it was going to be a challenge um and i think in terms of the number of lenders that were available it 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 was a challenge but uh and the, and the challenge wasn't, I, I guess the challenge was more around experience, for one, mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of, of not having done a CMO previously. Um, the speed at which the transaction 
was done was quite a challenge in terms that the building was bought this year. Um, as as you say, it was it was vacant. Um, a bit of work was spent, uh, a bit of time and money was spent to actually get it up to standard to to start to occupy, uh, and then it was occupied using licenses rather than FRIs. So most lenders, when they look at a, a commercial space, tend to love the idea of an FRI because they've got security of income. Um, whereas this was all based on licenses, and I think and, there's a bit and of, a very short. And a very short time frame. So this is all yes, within a few months. This has all been yes. set up. Right now we're up and running. We haven't got two years of accounts here to show you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no, it was, It was. I mean, effectively it was, the building was, well, the building was March, I think. Um, it, the work was done and it was filled by July, June, I think. Mm. June or July. It was, it was filled very quickly. Yeah, and I think the fact that it was well. filled very quickly gave the lender lots of comfort yep. that he knew what he was about and he knew how to go about sure you yeah. know if there were voids filling them again um but i think that i mean there was a story to be had as well in terms of the working from home finding course, a hub yeah. for people yeah. Yeah. um when actually approaching the lender as well to say look well you know there are businesses who aren't maybe asking their staff to go into the office they need spaces like this to to act as a hub for their staff to go to and and work without having the problems of of kind of COVID in a big work environment. Yeah. Um. And and one of the tenants was a was quite a, was a really big kind of uh, I guess a government department yeah. <laughs> basically. Okay. So so that kind of gave them a bit of uh, a bit of comfort as well. So, uh, but I think the the way it was the speed at which it was done in terms of filled. And therefore, there were bank statements showing, here's the money coming in. Um, and the fact that there was a plan to say, this is what it is at the moment, but we're also going to add this stream, this stream, and this stream. So therefore, it will get to this value. Um, having delivered the first part of the plan, they were comfortable that it's likely he's going to deliver the second part of the plan. So so they, they got a bit of comfort doing that, really. Um, I mean, when when it came to actually releasing the cash from the building, the because it was a slightly different type of debt, the loan to value was a, was sixty percent. Yeah. Um, but not only was it sixty percent, it wasn't going to be based on open market value. They were going to restrict it to vacant possession, even though there were people in the building generating income. They were restricting it to vacant possession. Um, but what we were able to do was influence the valuer that went in, i.e. not just twist his arm up his back, but actually decide for the lender who the valuer was going to be. Yes, that, um, that, that that's helpful, yes. But also, let's... You know, there was value added during the process. Yes. Oh, for sure, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> I think the fact, the fact that there was value added allowed the valuation to come out at a point whereby... Even at sixty percent, the money that was in the deal could come out of the deal. Yes. Um, yeah. So, but if there'd been no work done, then the valuer going in would have struggled to 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 justify the increase. In yeah. Value so, there. so there is there is a lot of moving parts there to make that yeah. happen. It's not a, a walk in the park, but yeah. but with a with a good plan and a strategy to do it, and, and knowing the parameters, it is possible. Yeah. And and that debt was then swapped on to so from from being private um, investment. 
on and then <clears throat> what was the kind of the makeup of the the new deck Graham and and, and of course the the longevity of it what was the well the, the new yeah but the new debt is is um it's peer to peer lending okay yeah um and it's a it's it's a relatively niche peer to peer lender um they are growing at some pace i have to say but they they're a relatively niche peer to peer lender it was um over a 5 year period yeah. so there's yeah. there's a bullet payment at the end of the 5 years because it's interest only that he's that he's got as well, yeah. which which again was was kind of the the aim to try and get that. I mean, you could do it as a repayment, but we wanted interest only because it allows obviously more cash flow, which allows him then to move on to the next year. Yes, yeah. Um, so so yeah, so we went with the five year, but but what did come out, and it, it, I have to say, I mean, I could say I could take credit for this, but I can't unfortunately <laughs> because it came out of the deal at the end. Um, the flexibility in terms of the early repayment charges is something that's really beneficial because they don't, unlike a term loan that you would get from a bank where you would have, you know, if you come out of that deal within five, within the five years, you may be paying 3% early repayment yeah. charges. Yeah. This doesn't come with early repayment charges at all. As long as you give them notice yes. um, that you're going to make a payment in, I think it's 90 days. Um and if you then make that payment in 90 days after you've given them notice, there is no penalty. So does that peer-to-peer lending um, set up with one for one, or is there multiple um, individuals involved in the actual loan? No, it's, it's actually a, it's a platform that have put a, a kind of a portfolio of bot, uh, lenders together. Right, okay. Um, so effectively it was one where the deal was presented and they have a committee meeting um, to to kind of put to decide whether that's then going to go forward to their lenders, um, and and then the lenders will fill the deal, and yes. then you get notified. Yes, the deal has been filled. Um, we aim for this kind of interest rate. It depends on the appetite of the people who are putting the money in as to whether we'll hit that or not. So you don't really know what the rate is until you've actually got it right. filled. Okay. Um, but they did actually hit the rate that that they'd suggested. So I I, I kind of get the feeling that there are over over promise under deliver maybe take the bit in the middle um uh, in terms of the difference in the rate um but in order to do that there's a rate that you're paying to the to the people who are lending you the money but the platform who put the deal together and administer it also charge a fee yeah so that so, goes on top so yes. without giving us the specifics of that one what is the range that you find from that type of um lending well, system well on this one this is probably kind of it's probably bottom end range, to be honest. I mean, if you're looking at peer to peer lending, you can be anywhere from kind of eight to twelve percent. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is this is bottom end, bottom end right. of that scale. Okay, so okay. It, it is. It is a. It's it's a good. Um, it's a good solution, certainly in terms of of being able to because there are there are a lot more. Again, that, that word, pragmatic. There are a lot more pragmatic when it comes to you know, is it a deal we can do or is it not. It's yeah. based on, and at the moment, anything lending-wise that is secured against a property asset is far, far easier than anything lending that is an unsecured lend. Okay. And is that, that's all in, that's including the lending platform rate? Yes. So just let me just um, probe a little bit further. What What's the lowest rate you've managed to see come out of these platforms or out of that particular platform? That's it. That's the that's the lowest rate I've seen. Right. Okay. Um, and in terms of um, 
the listeners, you know, it depends where you're at in your cycle, right? But it it's it's not a low interest rate, it, you know, in, with respect to the lending platforms. But it, it's it's a reasonably significant amount. However, there's no capital repayments, yeah. and capital repayments long term are really important because you pay down your debt. But if you're trying to build momentum and grow a business, paying down debt has two things. One, it takes away from your cash flow. And two, you get taxed on it at the end of the year because effectively by paying the bank off 100,000 or 200,000 pounds or whatever it is, it's profit. It's retained profit and then you get a tax bill on it as well. So from a cash flow point of view and building for momentum, it is important to remember that sometimes the higher or perceived higher rates of interest might actually still be beneficial for your long-term growth. Yeah, but at some I, point, you've got to think about repaying capital, of course. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think this this particular lender, I mean, it, it may be a dirty word, I don't know, but they're, they're almost like a bridging lender, really, uh, in terms of they're coming in, providing finance for a period of time that allows somebody to build up that experience to then go out to the market and get a term loan and to get a term oh. loan at probably half the rate. Yeah, yeah. But you have to wait those two years to get there. Exactly, yeah. And, and you know, part of the challenge, of course, is you do residential, you've been doing it for a while, you kind of know what works and what doesn't work, you've got your cookie cutter, but then you come across commercial, you're like, well, I don't really know whether this is going to work. And, and trying to get the confidence around your numbers is the difficult bit, isn't it? Yeah. But I guess that's part of the other side that you can help with, really, Graham, is it, because of your accountancy background, is actually going through those numbers. And yes, I appreciate you're not necessarily going to tell them or be able to tell them, you know, stress testing their actual expectation on rates or not uh, lending rates, but, but rental rates and everything is maybe slightly different. But actually yeah. putting together the numbers and the spreadsheets to create the... I guess the cash flow forecast yeah, I mean, is something that you that you can yeah, help with. I should. I mean, guess. I mean, I have done in the past where effectively they've given me lots of information. I've put the, the cash flow together to get the debt. Yeah, um, it's something I, I, from a time perspective, I tend it to. It takes avoid time for sure. Yes. Um, now, but what I can do certainly is when somebody presents something, I'm not just going to send it straight on. I am going to look at it and I'm going to make sure that it makes sense as far as the lender's concerned. And then if it doesn't make sense and we need to make tweaks, then we can make those tweaks before it gets to the lender. Um, Great. Because okay. that, you know, there's nothing worse than giving something like that to a lender because yeah. it just blows any <laughs> any confidence they're going to have in you when it comes to, to providing you with money. So, so, it so what, to, before it gets there, it needs to be right. So, I mean, what what can borrowers do to make your job easy? You did mention earlier on that, you know, that there is a lot of information they're going to need. Um, what, what are some of the other aspects of things you haven't maybe spoken about that people need to be aware of that would help give you well, the... Yeah, as I said, I said, really, I mean, if, if it's somebody who's going for residential, be prepared for me to be intrusive. <laughs> it would be the best thing. Um, and op- openness and honesty is always the best policy, in my view. Sure, yeah. And the more I know, the, the the better and easier it is to to explain it away. You know, even if it's bad news, as long as they know it up front and you can explain it, it's not necessarily going to play against you. Yes. Whereas if you don't say it up front and it comes out later on, doesn't matter how far you're in in the process, it'll 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 go against you in a big way. Yeah. Um, so so that's kind of key. Um, and I guess with relation to the the case that we've talked about, have a plan. You know, and 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 just know what it is you're about, so that you can demonstrate 
that you're going to be able to deliver this plan, whether that be, again, having I mean, things like CVs of previous um, positions that you've had, so skills that you've got that are transferable to this and, you know, all these things come into play. So, so I think it's, it's having, yes, financial information, but there is a, there's a whole piece about the borrower when it comes yeah. to commercial. Um, and I think, you know, the, the longer you get into it, as you were saying earlier, really, the less you have to provide that because they know that already. You've done it for so long that, yes. that they have that trust that you can do it again. You know? Here's a question for you. I've been asked this and, and I'd be intrigued to know your thoughts on it. Um, if somebody doesn't have much experience in the commercial space and, and often they forget that actually their residential experience does help. It does count for yes, something. Absolutely, yeah, it does. Um, <clears throat> but if they, if they decide to plug that gap a little bit by working alongside somebody, um, and I'm trying not to put myself in here, just in general, if they work alongside somebody who has got a commercial experience, mm-hmm. does that need to be a contractual relationship? Does it have any influence? Does that help? Or does it need to be much more bound together? That person's got some skin in the game, et cetera. What, what's, yeah, what's your thoughts on that? I guess my view would be that, that to if it was a, let's say it's a limited company or a partnership, they would, yeah. if it's a partnership, they'd need to be a partner. If it's a limited company, they would probably need to be um a minimum a director yeah more likely a shareholder so yeah, again it's the skin in the game thing yes um and then albeit they're still having the experience if they're not a director or a shareholder but there's no you know it's almost like an employed experience so i mean it will still count for something but the the more involved in that business they are yeah the more weight it will carry. Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously, if they're on staff, then, yeah, you can talk about your team's experience, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, we've done that on loans. But actually, yeah, the skin in the game counts yeah. for a lot. Yeah, okay. Something I've noticed recently, we're, as I say, we're going through a refinance right now. A lot of people, um, lenders on the high street, certainly, were doing five-year terms. They might be doing it over a, a longer um, repayment profile, yeah. but they were doing five-year loans and yeah. pulling in, um, fees every five years but that seems to have shifted now I don't know where that's come from upon high but basically it seems to have shifted back out for longer loan peers at our, our refinance is looking at that we've just we're going for 15 years um, have you noticed that yourself? No I mean I think it depends on how you're operating I guess because you're I guess because you operate your premises you're seen as an owner operator Mm-hmm. So as, as an owner-operator, you do get a, a longer term, generally. Um, if it's an investment property, I haven't seen anybody being offered anything less than five years or anything sorry, anything longer than five years. Uh, interesting. Um, yeah. And I say, I, I think that's more uncertainty from the bank's point of view because they don't want to be tied into particular sectors for too long. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there was something at the, the middle of last year where the high street banks were asked, I think, by the PRA in their exposure to retail, um, which has made lending to retail very difficult because obviously they don't want to increase that exposure until they know what the exposure is. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so I think I think it's that movement of sectors and where they want to be and, and they don't want to be too overexposed. And so, you know, I, I, I think the shorter terms are a result of that. Really. Okay. And, from your point of view, I, I see where you're coming from in terms of they're taking fees every five years as well. So I suppose that's probably part of the reason. As well. Yeah, and it's not cheap, you know. It's not cheap, no. is it? You know, no. it's like we said earlier on. You might have the headline rate of four percent, five percent, whatever it is, but then you've got your one and a half or whatever it is yeah. fee on top yeah. of that. Yeah. Okay, it's spread over five years, but 
you know, yeah. it's it's not insignificant. Yeah. Um, I just also want to just touch on another um, question I get asked, which is about um, pensions. Mm-hmm. And quite a lot of our listeners are looking at using SASs or pensions for purchasing commercial property. I just want to check in with you about rates for SAS pensions. Um, so the SAS pension itself can borrow up to 50% of value mm-hmm. for the property purchase. Um, have you come across any deals with such? Or maybe it's a SIP or something, and what rates are sitting at? Yeah, I, I have to. If, I have to be honest to say, I haven't. I haven't come across right. a SAS deal. Um, I did do a bit of research because you gave me a bit of pre-warning that you were going to ask me <laughs> this question. But uh, and, and the rates certainly seem to be, or um, the terms and rates seem to be reasonably similar. Yes, um, to a normal rate that. Uh, either a tier one or a tier two would do. There are no tier threes. They'll do. Yep. Um, the number of lenders, certainly on on my panel, um, for the whole of the UK that will do pension funding um, across High Street and others, is probably about ten. Is always yep. come up. Okay. Um, and you then put in that criteria for Scotland, and it halves it. <laughs> uh, which kind of leaves you just with high street really and and, and uh, a couple of others but yeah. uh, i mean a lot of the work i do tends to be kind of uk wide now i think the, the 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 advent of zoom 18 months ago has really spread out the geographical reach um so i can kind of tap into more people but if we're talking scotland there are still it's still more limited in terms of the number of lenders available um but there are lenders kind of coming into the market um relatively often um, yeah. all, they, all they need to do is just do a few tweaks to um kind of legal documents i guess to, to actually yeah. lend in Scotland. so so yeah so it is in, an improving picture but it's still more restricted yeah and, and without going into SAS too much in depth there are other ways of using that investing that money it may not be the investments actually made directly in the SAS. Mm-hmm. it might be outside of the SAS. so but, but that's a whole different can of worms right <laughs> um, so um just just i guess just to wrap up on in terms of where the market's at and what what, what um people can expect and what you're experiencing I, I just wanted to just touch base on some of the other things you've been doing Graham, because i know that you know commercial we spoke off here before you know commercial is still a significant part of the funding that you're you're seeking out for people but there are lots of other interesting areas that you're working in too so i thought it might be worth just quickly touching on those and then we'll maybe finish off with just where people can actually find you and um and on what kind of platforms and things that you maybe you maybe share information on so so what are some of the other interesting projects that you're working on um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm involved, um, again, I mean, this came about as actually trying to find some money for somebody um, and, and having, a, having a meeting with them right at the beginning of, of lockdown, really. But, but um, I'm involved with finding sites for uh, a waste-to-energy plant, um, and it's, a, it's a, a waste-to-energy plant that will take uh, black bag waste, effectively, uh, and recycle it into energy factors so it'll produce heat electricity hydrogen um jet fuel if you're an airport um and biofuel as well um but it's a it's a very small it's it's kind of a 
it's almost like a circular economy type thing because it's a very small plant, fits on about the size of a tennis court, um, but it will produce enough power to generate uh, electricity, certainly for 1,500 homes. So what we're doing at the moment, obviously this is very good for kind of zero zero Scotland or zero um, emission Scotland, but um, we're looking for people who can self-generate the, the waste at the moment um, because trying to get people who are in government um, to act quickly is like walking in treacle. Yeah. So, so we're, we're currently finding people. Um, and one of the places that we're looking, uh, because I, I, I operate a lot in the kind of uh, development finance world, um, is housing developers who have big housing schemes. So the, the thinking being, if you have one of these plants within your scheme, you can then become a private wire provider of the electricity for all those houses. Um, so instead of the utilities being uh, a cost of producing the housing, it becomes an ongoing revenue stream um, that you can that you can tap into. Um, and they're cleared to operate in clear air zones, so they can operate within a within a housing scheme. Um, so it's a big shed; you can dress it as how you like it, and it doesn't have to look like a big shed, uh, and it doesn't flare or, or produce any kind of noxious fumes or anything of that type. So, so it's a yeah, it, it, it it's it's a very it's Nirvana. It's Nirvana yeah, girl. absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's uh, it, it's it's a very interesting project. Um, in terms of of the sustainability of it, really, I mean, it's, it, I mean, even even um, placing one of these next to a landfill site, you could empty the landfill site and use the landfill to power it effectively. So you, you, we might end up with lots of big holes around the country, but but you know, it, 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 so it doesn't necessarily have to be waste that is generated. But everybody knows that there's lots of waste generated, and we also need power. But most power solutions don't deal with the waste problem. Um, and there was an issue, well, I mean, it's been pushed back five years until the Scottish government, but there was a there was a landfill ban due to come in um, and therefore people weren't allowed to, to put anything in landfill anymore. So the plan was to either ship it down to England because there isn't a landfill ban um, <laughs> and put it in their landfill yeah. or, or put it on a boat and send it to Holland or Sweden or somewhere so that they could burn it in an incinerator. Um, and a lot of the government schemes, certainly for for kind of waste to energy, so that's our incineration. This is not. I was going to say it's all about burning it. Yeah, yeah. Not this is not incineration. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it the the idea of being able to deal with waste and produce energy, as you say, is it's just a nirvana situation, really. So yeah, so we're actively seeking sites for for that. We've got um, actually got over a hundred NDAs signed up, ready for people to go. Um, it's currently at the point where we're looking for a, um, a, a guarantee, effectively, um, guaranteeing the, uh, the operational aspects of the plant plus the financial um, output that, that we, we put forward. Um, and it's being supported by with a very big, uh, it's a European company with a, a 600 million euro balance sheet to underpin it because a lot of schemes like this have been underpinned previously with things that 
the the guarantee they provided has been far bigger than the size of the company, so it's taken the company taking the company down effectively. So so we've got a company that's that's big enough to to cope with that that risk. Um, so yeah, so that's a really interesting part. Um, but the, the I've also got involved again through what I was finding with the raising finance for development. There were a lot of people coming with ideas. Um, the, the, not to be sexist, but the man with a plan um, type people who didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. So we we were finding that they liked the idea of getting into development, um, but they didn't really know how to take the next steps, if you like, and they didn't have the money. Um, so we again, through this private equity side of things, um, and also finding then people who actually do have the money, they've got land, but they don't know how to develop it and move it forward. Um, I'm involved with a, a QS um, who has worked for some of the bigger um, construction companies over the years, um, but he's also a property developer. Um, so he's been through the, the kind of ringer, if you like, in terms of how to to move these forward and get them to completion. Um, so his skills to do that and my skills on the accounting side, which is where I do get involved in accounting still, um, to come up with the the um, the appraisal uh raise the money manage the cash throughout the whole build process so that there's certainty of profit at the end so we know it's not kind of getting out of hand um and also that we're not going to run out of cash because we know when the trigger points are to release the cash so when to spend money or not so so that's another aspect so this year we're looking at well saying this year 2022 we're looking at six projects to take on for that uh and we're currently got three already good um, so that's great. So there's the three yeah. different areas there. I'm sure, because um, I'm going to ask you for details so people can reach out to you. Sure. I'm sure there's a few um, screaming to ask me questions about the um, power plant, but I'm, I'm going to leave that one, Graham. <laughs> they can get in touch with you directly. Maybe another podcast <laughs> later in the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds fascinating. So that's great. So um, it's not just about lending money. It's not just about finding the... the um, like the providers for you, there's so much more holistic thing there. So if people, listeners are looking to raise some money and they've maybe tried one or two banks and and, and got a couple of no's and have worked out that no just means try again, that maybe trying with you would be a good idea. So Graham, how, how can people find you? I, I know you've done some YouTube work. What, what are the best yeah. places to see what you're up to? Well, at the moment, the best place would be LinkedIn. Yeah, uh, that would be the best place to find me because um, that has got my contact details in terms of my mobile number and my email address in terms of getting a hold of me. Uh, I've got my website, which is all the W's playfairfinance.co.uk. Um, and I do have a YouTube channel. And as we were talking about um, off air before we came on, it'll be getting more content next year. Okay. Um, so that I can get more more video content about Fab. what it is I do, um, so so two people don't get too confused and think that I'm yeah. doing too many things. So. Great. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll pop a few of those things in the show notes. So any of you listening who want to get in touch with Graham, there'll be some some links in the show notes for you to to have a quick look. So Graham, um, I just I, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Um, it's been really interesting. I, I love the fact, because I have spoken to one of two different finance people, and I love the fact that, you know, everybody has got their own 
way of approaching things and really they've made, managed to create their own niche within it. And and I think, you know, what you've been doing recently has been really quite interesting. And just the fact that our, we've known each other for a while, but the fact that our paths crossed again recently with this deal as well is, oh. is just made me think that we need we need to have a chat on the show. And I just, the, the last thing before we sign off is just, what are your thoughts for 2022 in terms of finance? Do you think things will remain as they are? Do you think things are going to get tighter? easier what's your thoughts or do we just ignore that and take it as it comes <laughs> <laughs> i guess i guess given past 18 months i'd say take it as it comes but certainly <laughs> the conversations i've had towards the end of this year with high street um there is a feeling that by the time we reach q2 2022 things will have relaxed a little okay. bit uh, good news in terms of in terms of what they're going to lend on but as you said earlier you know it's never been that straightforward to get high yeah. street lending um the bizarre thing at the moment actually is is and i think this will continue is that the bit that used to be the hardest thing to get from a high street which was development finance is probably the easiest thing to get from a high yes, street because it's underpinned by residential exactly yeah yeah and that's why prices are as particularly in england because of um some of the the planning changes down there this that that's why some things are just so highly priced because they're underpinned by residential value yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, maybe something to look forward to then. A little bit more money. Absolutely. Yeah, a bit of a loose thing. But if it doesn't happen, don't blame me. Right? I'm, not in, I'm not in control. <laughs> All right, Graham. Thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate no it. We'll catch up with you soon. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Joe.